Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. As at this, he turned around and, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord desires us to walk in the land of the living with him. But to do so, we must pass through the cross. The cross is that most important element of our faith. Because Christ, like God, the Son of God, came into the world compassion he had for us. He entered into his passion, taking on our humanity so as to what? Get into the thing that we fear the most, the repercussion of the sin of Adam and Eve by journeying into death and conquering it. And it is by the cross. And this is why for us Christians we do what? We mark ourselves in the sign of the cross. In the waters of baptism, we plunge into the death of Christ so as to rise anew with him. We come to this place where God mystically makes present to us the cross, which is represented in a piece of art to remind us it's here. He's here. He has come to transform our lives and whatever cross we're enduring to be victorious in it. This is what the main message he's trying to get to us today is to remind us of one of the most necessary things in the Christian life, the cross. Or to put it a different way, the work of choosing to die for love of him and to enter into his death so as to rise with him. If we want to understand this, we can look to our second reading. Now to pause, like we get that this, this is a very important passage for us Catholics. Like This is the proof text for Catholics that we would go to when somebody says, oh, by faith alone I'm saved. Like, did you read the epistle of James? Uh, it says, no, like, faith without works, dead. We must have works. 
Um, Martin Luther is the one who got us that concept of faith alone. Uh, that, that first Protestant. This is why he actually wanted to eject the epistle of James from his Bible. Because he didn't like this theology. He didn't want to accept that we must have works with our faith. And most importantly, he didn't like the concept that Christ is linking with it today. The cross. And accepting it. And sometimes the cross is precisely what James is talking to us about, which I preached about two weeks ago, but is still, of course, evident here that we must do those works of corporal and spiritual mercy. Die to ourselves. Ask God how he wants us to die to our selfish desires so as to be selfless like him and care for others, to do works of love. If we want to still go further, because there is much more with James that he's talking about here, we need to look, as always, to the Greek. The word he's using for, for belief, for faith, is this word pistis. It means intellectual consent or assent. We can tell this by actually the next verse that comes after that's not mentioned in our lectionary today. James goes on and says, you believe, he uses the word pisto, which is a verb of pistis. He says, you believe that God is one, but demons do too. And they shudder at who he is. He's pointing to the fact that even demons are believers, as some Christians call themselves. We were called to be more than believers. We are called to be doers, responding to the word of God who has come into our midst, responding in love to him, do things, work things with our being, with our whole person. Because again, demons can be believers, but their being shudders because their wills are opposed to God. God has come into the world so as to transform our fallen humanity so that our wills may be conformed to his and we may have the peace that he's always desired for us. So how does this come about? What, what is Christ calling us to do? Our readings today is where we get the answer. To deny ourselves. To die to self. To die to pride. To die to selfishness. To take up our cross and follow him. It's a hard saying. It's one of the most difficult sayings of our entire Christian belief. So difficult that often we just kind of like throw it out of our mind. But it's the most essential element of discipleship. To believe, yes, we have to repent, believe in the gospel, but to follow him and to be a true disciple, not just a believer, we must, he says, must deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow him. We must embrace that cross. If we don't, we are in league with Peter today, who, what does Jesus say to him? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus calls Peter, and that name, Satan, means adversary. He's saying, you are an adversary to me if you don't want to accept the cross, if you don't want to go this way of Christ, the Christian way. So let's talk about more. Let's put this cross notion in context or understand it more, dig in. Now, for most of us today, when we hear, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, we typically think, like, somebody cut me off in traffic, traffic, and I'm really annoyed with them, but I'm going to be Christian, and I'm just going to, like, chill and deny myself. And I took up my cross. Yeah, sure, that's in there, too. Okay. But remember, when Jesus is saying this 2,000 years ago, the cross is a torture device. 
the greatest form like, of torture that humanity had ever created, Jesus is saying, deny yourself, take up your torture device, and follow me. That's going to shock everyone who hears that. Now, what Christ is not saying is that he desires you to be tortured. Absolutely not. He knows this life in a fallen world is already torturous. There's difficulties. That's why he came. That's why he entered into the cross. So that through the cross, through transforming like our very life and again, diving into death, he may conquer it. He may change it so that we may have what? Reconciliation. We may have true peace. We may have ultimate fulfillment. We may have holy communion with him. The reality, again, is, is in a fallen world, a world where the devil holds much sway and is constantly trying to make us adversaries of God, there's gonna be suffering. There's gonna be the cross and sometimes unbearable suffering in our lives. What Christ is saying to us today, though, is that this, these moments, these crosses, like this is where true discipleship is made and formed and shown. The cross, like as St. Paul tells us elsewhere, is like a stumbling block to the Gentiles. Our world, which is like now in its fallen state by nature, is selfish. It doesn't like the cross. It shuns it. It wants to go away from it. It wants as much comfort and pleasure as it can possibly get. And Jesus says, no, you were made for so much more. You were made for union, communion with me. But to go there, you must follow me. You must journey into the cross. And let's go into the wounds and into the suffering. And there, let me redeem it. He has come into the world and he has chosen us in those waters of baptism. To enter into his passion, to enter into him. So that we may know him, love him, serve him in this life, and as well come to help others know of his love and surrender to it. But if our faith just ends, and this is what James is pointing to, just ends at knowing him, believing in him, or knowing about him, we're not yet disciples, and we haven't received all he would desire for us. Again, we're reminded, like, there are things Christ says we must do if we're going to walk in the land of the living with him. We're going to have everything he truly desires and will make available to us if we will but surrender. He says, like, right, Matthew 28, be baptized. He says as well, go tell other people about it. Get them baptized. He says, eat my flesh. We just went through John 6. He says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood or you shall not have life within you. He says, love God and love neighbor. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, you too will bear, you must bear fruit. And then he also says, well, again, what we must do today, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So looking at our lives, what will this look like? Again, maybe the first thing to do is look what this doesn't look like. So back to St. Peter. St. Peter, it says, took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Can you imagine just taking God aside and be like, God, let me tell you what's like wrong with your plan, man. That's what he does. That's precisely what he does. And we might, we laugh and we go like, oh, St. Peter, you're a mess. That's exactly what we do every day if we really think about it. How often do we turn to God and complain about like the world? How often do we get mad at him for the way things are in our lives? 
at work, in our marriage, just in things. We get jealous of what other people like have and we complain about like, why can't I have that, God? The world's a mess politically. Even the institutional church is a mess and we can gossip and bicker and think of like the negative things rather than doing what St. Paul tells us and think of the beautiful and the things that build us up. And again, we just come and we complain to God about what's wrong. Kind of like it's like, like, why aren't you fixing this, God? Like he's gonna, like he did something wrong. So too, like it could be, and this is, this is where it gets really tough because this gets really personal. Like we get, when we get mad at God for like a job loss, or the unexpected loss of a loved one, or like a, a horrible breakup, or that we're not married yet, maybe we're a single young adult, and we're like, where is my vocation, God? Or maybe it's like we're, again, beautiful families trying to be generous with love, and, and they're having a difficulty with getting pregnant. So many things, or like even in marriage, marriage, married couples, you know, that's, that's a cross in of itself, Right? In the Eastern rites, it actually says when the, when the couple comes together during those rites, uh, it goes, you have found your cross. Like, yep. And you're choosing it. But it will be the means of your salvation if you enter into it, if you go there, if you strive to follow all his commandments, which we get, I talk with couples all the time, like NFP, natural family planning, that's tough to really deny ourselves and not do what the world says, not go with the quick and the comfortable and the easy so as to get the thing we want, but rather to deny ourselves and find greater forms of intimacy when like, there must be a time that we have to abstain from the beautiful act. So many things, and this, and this goes into like everything, like where we can reject God and be an adversary of him when we, we don't like the teachings of the church or we say like, ah, you know, I, I don't think she's right on that one. And that's where we're being like Peter. And saying, like, God, there's a different way. You don't have to go to the cross. We're being an adversary. And the one that always scares me most as a father um, is the one that the devil tries to attack the most, which I hear in the confessional all the time. Like, Father, I'm so distracted in prayer. Or, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting deterred from going to prayer because God's silent. And I say, don't worry if he's silent. Like, don't get mad at him when he's silent. Like, if the Lord is being silent, he's calling you into that cross, to that hurt that might be there, and there he wants to care for you, there he wants to console you, and it might take time. The analogy I always give is, like a baby, if it's going to walk, parents, you have to write, what? back up and be like, come here, little guy. And with that, now their muscles can grow. Now they can begin to walk. Now they can begin to, like, live in what they could live in, but it's only through, like, the stepping back through that cross that might be really scary to a little kid. The point is, is that like anytime we're mad at God, that we're turning against him, we're saying like, we don't want to go your way. We don't want to do the hard thing that you've called us to do. We're being like Peter. We're rebuking Jesus. We're being more like Satan and being an adversary of God when we tell him he's wrong and that there's an easier way and he should really choose that one. Here's the thing. There's going to be a cross in all of our life. In fact, there is. There is suffering in every single person's life. And not just the irksome and annoying little elements that all of us have where we're called to die to self and choose the right thing and offer it up, as it used to be said. But again, there will be difficult, immensely difficult, torturous even sometimes moments of great suffering in all of our lives. And I'll tell you, if there isn't, the saints actually tell you, pray for it. Why? What's their logic? What's their paradoxical understanding of the great mystery? It's that, again, today, Christ is telling us, 
Like he wants to journey into those crosses. It's there in the midst of crosses, in those precise moments where he gets to enter in. It's those precise moments that we turn from just being believers to being disciples, to choose out of love him and to die to self, to journey into the cross. And there he's able to be victorious. And not just him, us with him. Christ came again to transform our world, to transform our crosses, our suffering, and be a conqueror. Because, and so that, even though there's still going to be pain, there's still going to be suffering, now we, with Christ, strengthened by him, those crosses may become places of reconciliation, of peace, of joy, of salvation. Because now they become places of encounter and intimacy with God. He desires this for all of us, but we must, as he says, deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. I'll close with this. This is immensely difficult, and we cannot do it without the grace of God. This is why I will continuously remind us to do what the saints would tell us to do, which is go to confession every month. Because we need to make sure that we always have sanctifying grace. We have God's very life within us. Because otherwise the crosses of life will crush us. We need him. We need his strong shoulders. And here's the thing. You have nothing to fear when you have him. Because God, the good parent, the good father will always provide. If we but continue to surrender, continue to follow him, follow after him, surrendering our hearts in all things, he will care for us. Now it's still hard. And this is why he gives us another heavenly help. In September, we celebrate Our Lady of Sorrows. In particular, on September 15th, we celebrate her. She, who denied herself, followed her Savior to his cross, and there allowed him to save the world. She cast off fear. She denied the false notion that drove, like Peter, to run away from the cross. She went into it. She went into it, did not avoid the cross, journeyed with Christ to his cross. There, she suffered more than any human being on earth has ever suffered. Not just because, like, the cross had nothing in a certain sense to do with her because she didn't sin at all. But at the same time, because she had not sinned, she had all the graces that we would have had if Adam and Eve had not fallen, so she understood greater than we do, she felt deeper and more richly than we do, and she suffered more than any other mother has ever suffered in the history of our world. And she stood at that cross, agonizing. She stood at that cross, unwavering. She did not lose hope. She trusted in him. She journeyed into the agony, knowing that he who she could trust was working, was working out salvation by the cross. When you're tempted to lose hope, when the crosses of your life seem like they are crushing you, when tempted to despair, turn to Our Lady. She will help you. She will help you journey into the cross so that God can give you the life that he desires to give you there. She will help you trust in him and through him and through it, as you continuously surrender, he will be able to draw you into intimacy with him 
and work out your salvation. In other words, she will help you to do that greatest work which God calls us to in the scripture today, to love him so much that you'll deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Follow him into the fullness of life that is only available to us at the cross. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.